fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, it is. Welcome into the program. It's a pre-Friday celebration, the greatest day of the entire week. Holy cow, do we have lots to talk about today, but I forgot what they were. Does anybody else remember? I'm trying to remember because today is a certain day. It's a a great Thursday. It's a pre-Friday, so we get to carpe diem all over this place. It's also another holiday. Trying to remember what it is, though. I can't remember. All I can remember is that I'm relatively sleepy from the day and I have a bit of the munchies. (laughs) Uh, Right there. See, right there. Everybody's going to get all mad at me. Welcome into the show. Happy 420 to you, by the way, if you haven't figured it out yet. Broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you may watch or listen to the show. As usual, your Millennial General reporting for duty. Always great to have you along for the ride today. Dr. Lance Zumai, Pacific Research Institute, will have him back on the program. Been a few days since we've had him on the show to talk about school choice, the ongoing battle across the nation. Now, where I'm at here in Kansas with our flagship station, we have not been able to pass school choice. We tried in the legislature this year. It did not happen. Very unfortunate. What other states are doing, we'll get to that here in just a little bit. A lot of things Kansas hasn't jumped on board with. Speaking of, with 420, that one hasn't happened in the state of Kansas either. I know I make the joke, but honestly, it needs to be addressed. There are three states left in the nation that have not done something with the marijuana laws in their state whether it be recreational or medicinal in Kansas, unfortunately, where I'm at, is one of those. We have it flooding the state because we're surrounded and sandwiched between three other states that essentially have it as recreational. Colorado's had it for years. Missouri just passed it as recreational. And the state of Oklahoma, they don't quite have it recreational. They shot down their bill, but it's so open in the medicinal that it it should just be considered recreational because of how much they actually have. So Kansas, where I'm based out of, we have three states that are sandwiching us around that have done nothing with marijuana. And we're here just trying to ban it outright. And Republicans, I'm telling you, you can either sink a whole bunch of money in law enforcement, which is a very un-Republican thing to do to try and stop it, or you can get the hell on board and get with the 21st century and figure out how to maximize your potential and your tax uh, dollars to do something with this issue. Not telling you what to do, but I know you listen to our shows and you should probably get on board with that in some way, shape, or form. I I am laughing about the whole 420 celebrations today because it is 420. For those that don't know what 420 is, it's and they don't know where this began really their guess is is that the whole idea of 420 was kids that would get out of school and meet at 420 in the afternoon behind the school to smoke the marijuana and since then it just kind of became a thing of 420 obviously today being april 20th so uh everybody kind of enjoys the whole 420 thing law enforcement all over the nation says they're bumping up uh law enforcement and uh, highway patrol for the DUI awareness and not smoking and and driving and all this other stuff. You know, cool. Obviously, you shouldn't be doing that. That's really stupid if you do anyways. But I do laugh because it's become kind of an iconic day, kind of like 316, where, you know, 316, the uh, number of pi, it's pi day. 
which we didn't celebrate on the program this year. I was actually a little sad that I missed that one. But there's a lot of stores now that are all over the country that are actually doing 420 specials. They're selling their fast food for $4.20 for a meal. They what was it? Jam was it Jamba Juice or another one of those like smoothie places? Uh, they have like uh, you can gather 420 points if you buy their bowl of whatever the, today uh, for 420. A lot of uh, a lot of commercialism going along with the whole 420 celebration. So if you partake, then have fun and partake, my friends. That is not something that I personally enjoy a whole lot. I'd rather enjoy an adult beverage, which I usually don't do anymore either. In fact, the last month, the only things that I have drank included water. And tea. And now, hat tip to you know individuals here at the studios where I hail from in Wichita, Kansas. They actually have a, wa- a hot water spigot, so I've been drinking tea every day and uh, just haven't partaken in anything else. But nonetheless, if you choose to partake, then all the power to you. Who am I to stop you from doing that? But as we say with everything else, do it responsibly. All right, we have a lot to get to today. Uh, Lance Zumai, as we mentioned, bottom of the hour with school choice. That'll tie in, obviously, with the 420. We'll have some fun with that. Another issue that's tied in with 420, not with 420, but with the school choice and with education is our headline story of the day. What's trending today? So as you know, there's been some changes in Washington, D.C. The Biden administration wanting to do things that really don't make a whole lot of sense, which is normal when you can't even remember your name half the time. Then I guess it's typical. Maybe he's had too much of the 420. Can't remember his name half the time. And I'm very sleepy. He, t- he doesn't do any press conferences past like 8 o'clock at night. Got to go to bed pretty early. Either you have uh, some serious elderly issues where you need to go to bed at 8 o'clock at night or you're <laughs> partaking in certain things that make you want to go to bed by 8 o'clock. Just throwing that out there. Uh, but he's making some changes with some big serious laws in Washington, D.C., including the Title IX laws in the nation. <laughs> Did I say that wrong? I got a text. Sorry, I got messages saying, Andy, 316-PI. What's the number for pi? Is it 316? I thought it was 3. Maybe it's 319. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Thanks for hanging. Thanks for tying that up. Um, Nonetheless, so we <laughs> see now I have Title IX and 319. Let's talk about Title IX for a second. As you know, Title IX has been one to uh, stop discrimination, uh, particularly within education and particularly within uh, sexual orientation and discrimination of females originally when the law came out. As Title IX has been uh, a law, I'm trying to find where it is. Here it goes. Uh, according to weareteachers.com, Title IX says, quote, no person in the United States shall on the basis of sex be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjugated to the discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. Now, this is in uh, uh, cahoots with the previous laws where when we started doing the anti-discrimination laws, we started doing the civil rights movement. We started doing things based on based on race, but we wanted to make sure we had protections as well with no discrimination against sex. And to me, it seems like the changes that the Biden administration are wanting to do essentially erase the entire purpose of the law with Title IX. Here's what I mean. Kansas, for particular, because that's where I'm from, and I know, what, 20 states, 21 other states? According to this, let's see, uh, 1, 2, 3, 2, 21 states, according to LGBTmap.org. Oh, yes, they have their own map trying to demonize those that ban transgender students from participating in athletics with their gender identity. There are 21 states, according to LGBTmap.org, saying 21 states have banned trans athletes from participating in women's sports. 
Kansas is one of the latest. In fact, here in Kansas, we passed it in our legislature this year. Our Democrat governor vetoed the bill, and we had enough Republicans and even some moderate Democrats that overrode that veto to make it happen, to make sure that we only allow actual boys to participate in boys' sports and actual girls to participate in girls' sports. I know that's a very wild, radical, very offensive stance to take for some across the nation, but, but... It's just kind of common sense in the world. Yesterday, we act about the critical thinking, and we have to question everything. You can question everything, but the logical thinking in you, the critical thinking in you should come back to, yeah, let's question it. But then there are some structures and norms in society that are there for a reason, and it's because of common sense. And if you use that critical thinking in your brain, then you come to that basic conclusion that, hey, there are boys, there are girls. You can feel certain ways, but the feelings do not change your biological essence in this three-dimensional world. And if you think it does, then we have serious other discussions that we have to have. But as of right now, we have boys, we have girls. Boys should be playing in boys' sports. Girls should be playing in girls' sports. And 21 other states across the nation actually agree with that. The latest right here in Kansas, where we're from, with our veto override of our governor, uh, a Democrat governor. Now, because of this movement and because of this commonsensicalness in the nation, the Biden administration has felt to do some changes, do some tweaks. We got to stop that. We got to stop that from happening. These states that are exercising their federalism rights, we need to stop that because how dare states try to use the concept of federalism in order to promote their own laws and use common sense. So, what they've done, according to the latest in USA Today, is that they are now working to change Title IX that was intended to stop discrimination based on sex for women to protect women to allow them to be able to go to school because remember this is during the women's movement in the 60s and 70s when this was actually passed and and moved forward during the whole civil rights saying that women are allowed to go to school they can't be discriminated against if they're trying to apply for stuff that they're a full-fledged citizen they're allowed to vote they're allowed to go and get an education they're allowed to be part of society they're allowed to get a job they're allowed to own property they're allowed to do these wild crazy radical things The women's movement, the progressive women feminist movement saying, hey, we have rights and we can do whatever we need to in society. All the power to you, ladies. Which is why I'm baffled when a lot of those left-wing feminists are now on board with the transgender movement saying that men can come in and kind of dominate everything you worked so hard for for the last 60 years. I mean, if that's what you want to do, then cool, I guess. But it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So the rule that protects women specifically for education... The Biden administration is now wanting to tweak to use Title IX to protect transgenders as well, specifically not just for education, which is what Title IX is about, but expand it out to sports and other extracurricular activities within the school systems as well. According to USA Today, a long-awaited Title IX rule directing how federally funded schools and colleges handle sex and gender discrimination will become public in May As the U.S. Department of Education has announced, as they say, the advocates for youth and dozens of others uh, have been eager for the revisions of the Trump-era regulations under Betsy DeVos, who they say was a hate monger towards the LGBTQ community. Now, (laughs) Now, included in that, the Biden administration pledges to change Title IX rules during the presidential campaign. Uh, Hasn't been able to do it yet, uh, but they say that they're expanding it to the sports that they're allowing the trans athletes, protecting them, saying that states are not allowed to create these said laws. Which is funny because 21 states have done it so far. 
under the concept of federalism that you don't have the right to dictate this at a federal level. It should be at the state level because of, you know, state sovereignty and this Tenth Amendment. And therefore, we can create our own laws and we choose to say that LGBTQ trans boys that are wanting to be females cannot play in female sports. And they say now that this is going to be expanded to not allow states to do that. And the, for the first time ever, they're using the argument that the decisions need to be not from the federal level, not from the state level, but from the local school district level. That's their argument here, is that states are usurping their power and deciding factors at an educational level that shouldn't be made at a statewide level because it should be made at the local level where school districts themselves that should be deciding whether the trans athletes should be able to participate in these sports or whether they should not be. Now, I have to scratch my head for a second because I'm pretty sure that this is the only time in the history of the progressive movement that they're actually advocating for local control. And you know it's BS. It's really not because the local school boards refer to the state school board of education, which creates a lot of the curriculum for the state. The state board of education refers to the U.S. Department of Education that really sets the tone for Common Core and all the other educational curriculum and rules and laws for their athletic departments and everything else as well. So by default, the federal government would still have power if the states didn't have this in place in the first place. So for them to continue control, they have to argue about local control and communities having their own say so the local school boards can refer back to the state school board and the state school board can refer back to the federal school board and so on and so forth for them to gain control again because those pesky states and their 10th Amendment federalism rights are getting in the way. And if it weren't for you, Ratscallions, then we could actually have full control of the situation. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, it is. Welcome back into the program. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, got to clear, <laughs> got to clear myself a little bit. You know, because I don't know if you're aware or not, but here at Central Time, where we're live on the radio, I know other radio stations play this at a delayed time, but live Central Standard Time, it just hit 4:20. <laughs> oh, I lo- the irony, baby. So hold, hold on a second. Hold on. Just let me turn my mic off for a second. All right. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. There we go. Sorry. (laughs) Had to take a moment there. What's up, man? Welcome back into the program. All right. Let's do this Title IX thing. (laughs) Sorry. You know I have to have fun with this. It's fun. It's great time. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. People are like, Andy, he's lost his mind. He's lost his mind. It's quite okay. Don't worry about it. So we have Title IX, which protects women in education, protects women in society in general, where the Biden administration is wanting to expand Title IX to get rid of the states because they don't like state rights, they don't like the state sovereignty, they don't like states being able to make their own choices, that are banning trans athletes from participating in uh, sports, which it's not supposed to be about sports. It's supposed to be about education. And we're not prohibiting trans individuals from participating in education to get educated at all. And in fact, we don't want anything to do with even sports either. We just want to make sure that women have their fair share because that way they're competing against other women so we're not seeing records broken by dudes that are pretending to be girls because it's not supposed to be about 
the athletic side. In fact, outside of K through 12 public education, if you're looking at higher education across the country, they're not even funded essentially by even at state universities. They're not necessarily even being funded by government and government finances. Why? Because they make so much darn money themselves. They don't have to be funded by the federal government. The education side does. They're always looking for grants left and right. But just look at the college football teams. If a woman tries to get on there, which I think some have tried, then all the power to you, but you recognize that you're competing against men who can bench press 400 pounds and are sitting at 7 foot tall and 300 pounds in weight, and you're not going to be able to compete with that. If one of those dudes decides to go over and play in the women's basketball team for some reason, we're going to have some serious issues. But according to the Biden administration, all of those records of women's basketball and women's softball, and women's track and field, and women's cross country, and all those, they could just be shattered by guys because just biologically, generally speaking, they're built way different. I know Joe Rogan's talked about this on his podcast as well before, about guys coming into the female MMA and literally cracking their skulls. Literally creating fractures in their skulls because of how hard they can hit compared to women. Now, women are brutal in the MMA. Don't get me wrong. I love watching women's MMA because they they are nasty, they are feisty, and they have blood everywhere by the end. When they came to the Wichita area a couple years ago, I got to see some. Both of the women went to the hospital afterwards because there's just blood everywhere. But it's different with the women hitting women as opposed to a dude hitting women, which as far as I'm aware of, is pretty shunned on across society, isn't it? I thought that was looked down on. Because that would be called abuse. And that would be something that's illegal, is abusing someone like that. In harassment, in actual assault of a dude hitting a woman. But apparently, if you go into football or you go into some athletics and guys are in there, it's totally okay as long as they say because they feel like they're a female. So all the work that the progressives and the women's rights movement has done for the years, just like that could be taken away by the Biden administration looking to remove literally the law that protects them in society by expanding it to guys being protected under the cloak of the LGBTQ movement and the trans athletes. So thank God for the 21 states that are actually passing these laws. The latest one here in Kansas, where I'm at with our flagship, and we have to continue that battle. And if they do try to push this change for Title IX, you know there's going to be lawsuits, which states have already announced that they're planning on creating lawsuits to battle some of this because of the concept, the common sense concept of federalism and states' rights being able to make their own damn decisions. When we come back, we'll shift gears a little bit. We'll still focus on education. Dr. Lance Azumai with the Pacific Research Institute. We'll get his thoughts on this and a heck of a lot more here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, John Ryder, there's welcome back into the program. Halfway through the show today on a pre-Friday celebration, whatever else you celebrate throughout the day today with the, spe- <laughs> the specials going non-stop. Some great conversation regarding this Title IX issue, literally removing the entire purpose of the Title IX to protect women. Now we're not protecting women by classifying others as women so they can beat the women and then just remove all the protections that women had, which was the entire point of Title IX. So well done on that one as Joe Biden continues to ruin, uh, and not just even Biden, just the progressive movement in general, just screwing things up. 
left and right. Did have a com uh, comment online. Why is it just female sports? What about the other way around? See, the way most sports are done is that you have a standard, and as long as you can participate and you can hold that standard, then you can participate. There was, in my high school, my high school was relatively small in Colorado. We had 120 students graduating class, 400 in the entire high school. Uh, we had a female or two that wanted to play on the football team. And we said, cool, as long as you can meet the requirements by doing the conditioning, by partaking, then cool. You know what? You can participate in the sport. And it was allowed understanding that they were not a boy, that they were actually a female. And they tried it for a little bit, and they did the conditioning, and it was too much, and they ended up dropping out, so they weren't there for very long. But if you could meet that requirement, then that's cool. The problem is, on the other hand, when we meet the requirements, obviously if it's a dude trying to compete in a female sport, you've definitely met the requirements for the females above and beyond to where you're breaking the record and harming the females. And it goes beyond just being able to play. It goes into uh, scholarships for higher education. It goes into, uh, obviously, higher education opportunities. It goes into records. There's a lot of issues that go on. And if that's the case, if we can just classify whatever the hell we want to, then I think I really need to self-identify as an individual with much darker skin in San Francisco to maybe get some $5 million of reparations. I mean, I'm just the, for a for a free slave state that was not a slave state during the whole Civil War uh, in California. But if that's what they're doing, then why wouldn't anybody just identify as that? That's how stupid this argument is. Let's get into it. The next guest really happy to have this guy back on the program. What's trending today? As I always get great response every time he is on. We absolutely love having him on the program as well. He is the director with the Pacific Research Institute Center for Education. Also author of the book, The Great Parent Revolt, How Parents and Grassroots Leaders are Fighting Critical Race Theory in America's Schools. Excited to have back on the program with us here, Dr. Lance Azumai. Lance, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Andy. So wonderful to be back on your program. I love having you on. It's always a fun chat, and we we do. We always get great response. A lot of listeners enjoy having you on here. I, before we get into the school choice debate, which is a huge one, I got to I got to pick your brain on this Title IX issue with 21 states across the nation so far banning trans athletes from participating in girls' sports. 21 of them, which is a large amount of states, and more states are coming on board here soon as well. Candace just overrode our Democrat veto uh, from our Democrat governor on that issue just in the last couple of weeks. So in return, the Biden administration wanting to change Title IX to not allow states to have these laws on the books and saying that it needs to go down to the local school board level to make those decisions because the state is superseding their power over local school boards. <laughs> well, you know, I think that this is goes once again to show the problem of uh, highly centralized government out of Washington, D.C., especially under the Biden administration, uh, when you're bypassing state legislatures, you're passing, bypassing governors, you know, basically bypassing the people in those states who want these laws to be enacted and implemented. And so instead, you have this Washington knows-all top-down uh, uh, policy coming down from the Biden administration. And it doesn't matter, you know, with regard to what type of policy, whether it has to do with uh, women's sports or other types of issues. Washington should not be the ones, especially in education, dictating uh, what states are uh, should and should not do, because really, when you look at the uh, U.S. Constitution, uh, the Washington and federal education policy is really never mentioned in the uh, U.S. Constitution. That was something that was left to the states and to the locals to deal with, and Washington was left out because the founders knew that uh, that the people close
closest to the education of their children should be the ones who are setting policy, not people in faraway bureaucracies in the halls of Washington, D.C. Well, exactly. And we know that if we, let's say that we go down this road and we get rid of the states being able to make this decision, they want it at the state or at the local levels with the school boards. That's cool, but the school boards refer to the direction of the state school boards, which in turn refer to the U.S. Department of Education. So by the end of the day, like you said, they're getting what they're wanting by the centralization of educational and, it sounds like, athletic mandates through the U.S. Department of Education, which I think they're afraid of losing a little bit of their power right now. No, that's absolutely right. You know, when you look at, let's say, funding that goes from Washington, D.C. to the states in education, it's really a rather minor amount when compared to the rest of uh, dollars coming from state and local dollars. Uh, In my own home state in California, you know, it's less than 10% of education funding comes from uh, the federal government. But oftentimes what you see is that that relatively small percentage is the tail wagging the dog in education. So even though... uh, schools and uh, states don't get a lot of money, uh, relatively speaking, from Washington. Washington uses that money in order to uh, basically browbeat states and locals into adhering to what Washington wants. And again, you know, it's the uh, reason why uh, the, the founding fathers wanted to prevent that from happening and uh, have the state uh, legislatures and governors and the local school boards making those decisions. And unfortunately, right, right now we're seeing uh, that Washington is using the power of their purse in order to browbeat these states into doing whatever now the Biden administration wants. Yeah, it's funny how that works. I'll never forget the conversation when Betsy DeVos was interviewing to be the secretary for the Department of Ed. They weren't asking her about educational quality, what type of curriculum we wanted, what type of you know the, uh, programs we wanted for education. They were asking her, hey, we know you're a business person, but have you ever handled a bank account and a business of multi-billions of dollars? Because that's what this is. It's not about the education. It's about how much money runs through here. Are you capable of handling that? Those were the questions they were asking her, and I was dumbfounded by that because... To me, it sounded like they didn't give a rip about the actual educational quality. No, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, again, with so many politicians, you know, it's uh, really about their power. And where does that power come from? Their power over appropriations. And so, therefore, you know, you often hear in uh, debates about education, it's really about, you know, where the money is coming from, how much of money uh, is, is coming, and where that money is going. But you f- have very little discussion about whether there's any bang for the buck that's being uh, a- allocated uh, in education. I mean, our students doing better because uh, spending has been increased. Uh, Our students feeling safer at their schools. Our students, um, you know, feeling as though the school is attending to their various other uh, needs. No, you know, usually not. Uh, You look at uh, the test scores that uh, have just come out uh, at the national, the national test uh, in reading and math, and you see that in virtually all states, the uh, test uh, scores have gone down, and not just down, way down uh, over the last three years, over the course of the pandemic. And so, therefore, you know, the, uh, the uh, focus should be on how are we going to uh, improve those uh, student achievement numbers, you know, using those uh, dollars that are coming from whatever source, federal, state, or local, and not uh, looking at, you know, how to, um, you know, uh, please some uh, political constituency of the national government. 
Amen to that. We're talking with Dr. Lance Azumai, author of the book, The Great Parent Revolt. Let's talk about school choice for a second. More states trying to push this concept of being able to allow the choice for you to take your kid to whatever school you want to, whether it's a different public school, a magnet school, a charter school, a private school, homeschooling, whatever it may be, uh, for that choice for the best educational opportunity for your child. Some states getting uh, moving a little bit further with this. I know Oklahoma's been debating this one. Candace, we tried it. It didn't work. We didn't get enough votes on that one. Uh, so that one kind of failed just recently. But are more states, you think, jumping on board? Are we seeing some movement with this idea? Well, actually, yes, Andy. We're seeing a lot more movement this year than we've ever seen before in any one year. And it's not just, you know, uh, that some school choice bills are passing in some states. What you're seeing is you're seeing major school choice bills passing in a number of different states all across the country. And so, um, you know, these aren't just targeted uh, school choice programs that are, you know, at certain, let's say, demographic groups like low-income kids or kids in certain urban areas. These are actually uh, bills and laws that are now being uh, passed that affect all students in the state. So, Iowa, Utah, uh, West Virginia, uh, Arkansas, Florida, Arizona, all of them within the last year or so have enacted universal school choice bills that will allow parents to access uh, state funding and able to send their kid either to a private school or to get uh, tutoring or to get a number of other defined services and that it really puts the parents in control of their child's education for really the first time in uh, ever, and it allows uh, these parents to make those decisions that, uh, you know, uh, bureaucrats and uh, administrators and, uh, you know, state uh, politicians have been making for them. And so you really put the parents back in the uh, pilot seat uh, under these school choice laws. And I think that the reason you're seeing universal uh, school choice laws being uh, promoted now, as opposed to targeted ones, is because so many of the ills of public education have now become universal. I mentioned the fact that national test scores have fallen off the cliff. And so all kids, whether uh, you're poor or uh, middle class, are not doing well in schools. And also, too, you're seeing programs like critical race theory and these gender issues that you just mentioned, that uh, these uh, types of issues are affecting kids of all demographic backgrounds. So therefore, parents from whatever walk of life are saying that, hey, we need more choices. And that's why I think you're seeing these universal school choice bills passed in so many places. I think more people are going to be aware of this and, and waking up to wanting to push this as well. I know standardized testing is going on in a lot of places right now. My little girl in uh, third grade right now, she's about ready to turn nine. She's doing her standardized testing, and she said she was confident. She's doing math this week, and she's the math whiz just like her dad. So we'll see how this, uh, this goes. But uh, I know that a lot of these schools are just not prepared, and their numbers always come in so low. Probably on a curve so they can continue to get more federal funding, which is a whole other issue as well. We'll talk about that when we come back. It's Dr. Lance Azuma. i got to take a break. When we come back, school choice. Are we seeing a growing movement across the nation right here on The Voice of Reason? Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. The Voice of Reason for a pre-Friday celebration. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, multiple radio stations all over the place. Thanks for hanging out as always. Love you to death. Trying to cram that 10 pounds reason into that five pound bag. That's capable of 
happening, right? Allegedly, one of these times. I mean, if you can change genders and you can just uh, do whatever you want to, right? Welcome into it. We're hanging out with Dr. Lance Azumai, author of the book The Great Parent Revolt. He's also director of the Pacific Research Institute's Center for Education, as well as we talk about school choice. And Lance, we don't talk about this usually, and I don't think I've talked with you much about this before, but let's talk about getting prepared for college and college readiness. I know that graduation of high school is one thing. Being prepared for college is another thing. What are the rates right now across the nation in public education on college readiness to make sure that you don't have to go in and just repeat all the same old high school classes in the first year of college? Well, they're not good, Andy. I mean, one of the things that, uh, you know, if you think about it, I mean, when you see, for example, as I mentioned in your uh, previous uh, segment, how the national test scores in math and English, especially in math, have gone off a cliff, uh, and you're talking about eighth graders, for example, who maybe only about a quarter of them are uh, proficient in mathematics. Well, you can't expect that by the time those eighth graders make it to uh, high school and graduate, assuming they do graduate, that um, they're going to be prepared for college if they're you know so way behind. I mean, my own home state, the average eighth grader has the uh, uh, math proficiency of a fifth grader. Mm. So you know you're going to have lots of kids who are not going to be ready for college. And I think that one of the things that you see, uh, and I used to be the president of the Board of Governors of the California Community College System, the largest system of higher education in the country, and we saw huge numbers of kids when I was on uh, the board uh, who were unprepared for college and therefore needed remedial instruction in the basic subjects. And so unfortunately, what we also saw is that even if they got into our colleges and took remedial instruction, that their chances of uh, eventually getting a, a degree, an associate's degree, uh, was much less than if they did come into the colleges prepared for college-level work. And that's the th- other thing. It's not just to have these kids graduate. You want them to graduate. You don't want them to drop out. But you've got to prepare them because uh, you look at the type of economy that we have right now that relies so much on uh, technic- high-tech and uh, STEM uh, subjects that uh, unless you prepare these kids and uh, you know for uh, a higher education, you're going to have uh, you know a depleted workforce and have uh, you know people who are not ready to do the work to make America competitive. Yeah, amen to that. And we got just about a couple minutes left here as we wrap up, but uh, that's the direction I wanted to go. Is outside of just getting ready for higher education, uh, but also trade schools trying to go into the workforce directly because uh, a lot of kids are starting to do that as well based on the price of college, the wokeness of college, whatever they want to use. As as an example, but trade schools are becoming huge and a lot of them are starting to partner with technical schools in the area or with uh, with high schools or with community colleges uh, trying to partner up. That seems like that might be the future here is the growth of trade schools in certain industries. I absolutely agree, Andy. In fact, uh, I'm in the midst right now of producing a full-length film documentary that looks at the uh, epidemic of dropouts in America. And one of the solutions that we look at is uh, these uh, vocational ed, or in the current terminology, career technical education schools that are popping up that are really giving kids... Uh, not just a good education, but they're tying the education, what they learn, to practical uh, work in the marketplace so that they can see how they will actually be rewarded for studying. And so, you know, you're going to uh, have, uh, we profile a, school, a charter school in Colorado where, you know, they're, they're teaching kids, you know, uh, construction, uh, engineering, all these different types of trades. And, you know, you can, if you go out of the, that school and get into welding, for example, within a very short time, you could literally be making a quarter million dollars a year as a welder. Wow. 
And so that's something that, uh, you know, you're not going to see from some poor kid who gets some liberal arts degree uh, from a college saddled with a lot of debt. Yeah, I found that out a little bit too late. I spent $50,000 of uh, state university for two years, and I was like, wow, this is really expensive. Maybe I should go to a trade school. Then I went to a broadcasting school and learned my trade. So, you know, it took me a little bit, but by golly, I caught on. I wish I would have known that for the first two years as well. We're out of time, my friend. It's Dr. Lance Azumai, The Great Parent Revolt. Check out the book anywhere you can on Amazon and other places as well. Also, the Pacific Research Institute. Lance, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. There's so much to talk about when it comes to public education and how to make it better and focusing on the youth of America. Lance, we got to get you back on again soon, my friend. I'll look forward to that, Andy. Thanks so much for always inviting me on your show. Oh, always a pleasure. We'll do it again here real soon. That does it for us today. Podcast up a little bit. We're going on a Friday tomorrow, baby, to wrap up the week and get you set for another great weekend moving closer into springtime. Until then, be your own voice of reason. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you on the radio.